Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's the final two days of Glorious Goodwood. We've had some very, very good action over the first three days. I don't know whether this is just me inventing this, James, but, like, has it been better this year than normal? It feels it, doesn't it? Um, there's a lot more bigger clashes happening than normally. We haven't been as, as grateful to have them as normal. And I think this this is one of the meetings that has possibly been helped by the the sort of calendar moving along and being a bit more cramped up because they've sort of targeted more races at Goodwood. Um, we've seen some fairly decent clashes in the last couple of days and it's been a really enjoyable festival so far. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you there, mate. I have been keeping an eye on Galway as well. I'm going to restrain myself from talking too much about that. Though Aramon is a proper, proper Donny. Well done to him for winning the Galway hurdle. And Live Love Laugh and Robin DeFore both had me thinking they were going to win at some point. And that's why exactly why I've been off the cliff with them for about two years. <laughs> uh, my name's Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, on other end of the line is Big Jim. I don't need to introduce him, because we've already spoke to him. Uh, Friday at Goodwood Gym, and it kicks off with the Oak Tree Stakes. They bet general best prices for the Group 3 for Phillies and Mares over 7 furlongs, 7 to 4 favourite for one master, 11 to, uh, sorry, 13 to 2, breathtaking luck, 17 to 2, Alfika, 9 to 1, Under the Stars, 11 to 1, Valeria Messalina, 14s, Agincourt, and 18 to 1, bar them. One master's race to lose this, Jim, is it? Um, it, sh- it should be, really, and the last time she was at Goodwood was in this race in 2018, and she was beaten by Pretty Baby, and if you look at that front four now, uh, front three that finished in front of her, they aren't anything as close to what one master has done uh, in her career racing, and um, she looks to try and get some compensation back for losing this race two years ago, and I think it's an excellent opportunity. Um, I've never been sure on what ground she entirely wants um, but she seems very versatile it looks good solid uh, possibly slightly quick racing ground at the minute Um, she goes in mostly any conditions but I think her best performances are on good ground um, which that is currently the recording Um, William Haggis hasn't exactly had as good a week as maybe he was hoping he's had a few disappointing runs uh, which we saw today, but he did have a nice two-year-old winner win today. So the stable's in fairly decent form. Tom Marquand, who's been riding out of his skin in the last couple of days, I think he's had three winners at the festival so far, and, and rode a cracker for Jesse Harrington. I think six to four is a fair enough price, and I don't think there's anything in this race really good enough to, to take her on. If she reproduces anything like she she has done in the past two runnings of the foray, or in the Falmouth last season, or arguably in the Falmouth last year, uh, sorry, a couple of weeks ago this season, you know, she was fourth, but she ran a very, very respectable race there. Nothing really should touch her. That being said, in a normal year, I'd be very, very keen on breathtaking looking this. And... I guess she's arguably being slightly unlucky not to have got a Group 3 win yet this season, mate. Yeah, certainly. Um, we saw on a return in the Abaddon, she ran a cracker behind the July Cup winner, Oxted, um, which on that day I didn't... Breathtaking look's never been a horse that's been on my agenda, really. And, and even when she won that Group 3 at Doncaster towards the end of last season, I wasn't exactly... I didn't exactly know enough about her. Is that a bit of a harsh way to put it, I think? Uh, however, certainly this season, she's barring the Diamond Jubilee. That's a, a, a probably her only poor effort so far, and that, and that was in Group 1 company uh, against Colts and Gelding. So back against her own sex here, uh, which we saw her at York last time, running well behind Queen Giorgio, when only just being nabbed late on. Um, I, I think the step up to seven, she'll perfectly suit with that she's been running over six so far this season but you go back to her form uh, as a three-year-old as a four-year-old sorry uh, and even as a three-year-old winning over seven furlongs is certainly no issue Uh, I just think she might bump into one off even weight uh, off even weights here and even terms 
that she might just bump into one, but you certainly won't rule her out winning later on in the season in a Group 3. Overpriced angles, Jim. Is there anything in this for you? Um, I mean, Boomer's not really done a lot since finishing fifth in the Phillies mile. She's not really shown as much progression as a three-year-old. Maybe we've seen her in listed action and we saw her in the 1,000 guineas on her return. You'd be sort of hoping for something slightly more to come from here. Um, I mean, Agincourt ran an excellent second at Ascot in the Duke of Cambridge behind Nassif, who we mentioned went on to win the Falmouth and then possibly slightly disappointed today when stepping up two furlongs. However... I mean, she's she's put in a good performance at Ascot. So it's it shows that she's top of a top of a game in, in, in at some occasions this season. Uh, however, I think she'd probably be the only one. I I, I can't see a, an awful lot really getting into it. I think I do really think it's a spot kit for one master, and the fact that she's six to four, I think, is a very very generous price, and I'd hoover it up as soon as possible because I can only see it shortening. I don't think she'll win, Jim, but I would give a little mention to Valeria Messalino, who I kind of felt was a little bit of an overpriced uh, angle in the Irish guineas. That came much too quick for her. Wasn't ready at that stage of her career. You know, just purely outclassed that day. But she did win a listed race last time out over in Ireland at Cork. And again, nowhere near the quality of this. Uh, look, they let so wonderful go a favourite for that race. <laughs> I don't think she, she, she's going to be the fleeting of of this year's guinea horse. No, fleet. The thing is, fleeting fleeting gets beat in good races, Jim. Yeah, to be so fair. wonderful. Lost in a maiden last time. Yeah. Did uh, you get beat by the other one of Josie, uh, one of Josie for Brian? Yes, last time. Yeah, another Cromer horse. Yeah, poor, brilliant. Poor girl. Uh, no, it's entirely your own fault, mate. Uh, yeah, I like I like that filly, Jesse Harrington as. Uh, I hope she runs all right, but again, I think she's got a bit of work to do to to match the market principles here. Again, the market probably has it right. I don't think she's as good as a top two or Alfika or Under the Stars who are in there. But later down the line, she's still only had four runs. Relatively likeable filly. Agincourt does what she does at Royal Ascot. She's overpriced at 14 to 1, but she was rubbish at the weekend. Uh, and again, Ananerium has won better races than this. First start of the season, 20-1. to 1. Her form tailed off at the back end of last year. If she's anything like her, back at her best, though, mate, she's won open group threes, you know, over course and distance as well, where she was beating good horses like Dream of Dreams. If she's able to return to anything like that form, and and you think maybe that her form was telling off after a little bit of a busy campaign. She did win uh, the Princess Elizabeth on Derby Day last year. Didn't match that at all after. I just wonder, mate, whether there might be a little bit of a case for her being slightly overpriced at 20-1, to 1 because, you know, she'd be in the free if she's at her best. Yeah, um, we've seen that she's gone well fresh previously, and at, at the beginning... I think uh, of of 2018, she won first time out, so that's that certainly won't be a worry. I, I know she didn't um, last year, however, I don't think that'd be a problem. I think Richard Allen normally tends to have them aiming for this festival. It's his main one, really, isn't it? I know maybe he doesn't get as many winners as as what he would probably like, but he's he's. He had a nice winner in Mambo Nights the other day, and I think twenty to one. I agree with you. Now you've mentioned her, she's she's certainly got somewhat a chance if she's primed up for a seasonal reappearance. Looking forward to this race, mate. It's it's one of them that could, I guess. It it might not be the most attractive proposition in terms of excitement point of view. A seven furlong group three for fillies and mares, but. It's got a good lineup this season, and I'm really looking forward to it tomorrow. It's probably the one, in fact, I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> really? Well, you're chucking under the stars who was good uh, in the eternal Phillies race at Haydock, that listed race, um, who we haven't mentioned. Ralphika's the sort of interesting one going into this, having only been lightly raced. It is, it is quite a, a, it's a deep race, but not. 
I can't I can't get my word right here, but it's like there's a lot there's a lot of nice runners that on the day could probably take all the beating. However, it's 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 not predictable really. Yeah, but interest interesting race. One master though probably should win. Yeah, it, I, I think she certainly does. Uh, moving on to the 2.15, it's the Furrowbed Stakes, a group three, over a mile for the three-year-olds. Uh, normally, it's a fairly big field, this gym, but it's only for the five runners this year, and Colusi, six to four on, best price favourite, ahead of seven to two for my Oberon. Uh, six to one, Tilsi, 18's Mystery Power, and 25's to one for Repartee. Uh, point and shoot for Colusi? Uh, I don't think necessarily that the two... Horses in behind my Oberon and Tilsit, we we don't we almost know as much as of them as we do Calusi, but I don't think it might not necessarily be as point of shoot as you make it. I think four to six is a very short price about a horse that did do well was mightily impressive last time. Um, however, that was that was on soft ground at Ascot. This is a different proposition, different track, uh, and I'm always wary of of horses that have put in a really, really big performance in a big handicap race at Ascot, returning and then going into group level. Um, I always, that's just my personal opinion. I always have a, a slight thought about it. Um, I, I would have I would have thought 10 to 11, even money, maybe would have been a fair enough price. I, I thought my Oberon might be a little bit shorter after being very impressive last time. But that Britannia Stakes form... Um, doesn't seem to be all that bad. I mean, Fine is Sound finished third in a, in a hot new market handicap once again. Uh, and Toro Strike, who was back in fifth, finished, uh, won a, a handicap at Goodwood early on in the week. Enemy has since been nipped at Ascot on the line uh, late on. So I, I, I think that race is, is going to turn out to be fairly strong. And, and Calusi absolutely destructed the field. Um, He's still very, very lightly raced. We haven't really seen an awful lot of him. Uh, my only main worry about him, my only main worry about him from uh, last time was that, that was his first run on turf, and uh, he certainly showed that he, he wasn't. He was certainly a fan of it. And um, move on to my Oberon. I, I was very, very impressed with his return. Um, he was absolutely punted off the boards. I think he was about two to one uh, in the morning. And there were some nice horses in that race. Uh, Roger Varian had uh, Tasma, who was third behind Dubai Quality. And what was it? A, a funny uh, Kempton Maiden. Citizen Surge had some good form. He was behind uh, Yuri Gagarin a couple of races ago. And side reel of Andrew Baldings had, had done well in a, in a maiden at Windsor. So to, to destroy the field by 6-12 lengths in the end, beating some of them I was very very impressed um, beautifully bred beautifully bred and, and the other day reading seeing that my Titania was a see the stars he's now producing uh, broodmares absolutely ridiculous how time flies um, hopefully, hopefully William Haggis might have a good uh, start to tomorrow yeah that was going to be my point on my Auburn as well the fact that you know, when when you just look through a horse's pedigree, my Titania, yeah. Jesus, her son, brilliant. We love that. I saw about her, I know he ran, he ran today, we recorded in his first night. Yazaman is the son of online Alexander as well. God, that's that? mental. That good sprinter of uh, Kevin Ryan's, one at yeah. the e meeting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was on course that day, yeah. Fascinating. Jump, jump me to show off and show that I'm well educated as well. Go on. Do you know why the name my Titania connects to my Oberon? Go on. Because Titania and Oberon are the queen and king of the fairies in A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. It is, isn't it? They are. Did you do that at school as well? No, just get man on university challenge, mate. Even though I've now left. Look, it wouldn't surprise you, mate, if this ended up, be, ended up being one of the best three-year-old cults, because as proven in the Gordon Stakes today, most of the middle-distance ones are crap. Uh, th- this lab, 
Look on, on what he did in the St. James's Palace of Stakes, mate. Sorry, not the St. James's Palace, the Britannia. I mean, say he would have, if he replicated that, you know, he, he, he potentially would have been fourth in the St. James's Palace. You know, my old Bron and Tilsit look, they could be anything. They could be very, very good. But I'd say Calus has been more impressive in beating, well, not more impressive, but as impressive in beating better horses. It's a good race. It's it a is. Good race. I do think the price is far too short on Calusi. Uh, Tilsit, all a bit beat, nothing last time out, but it was very impressive. Um, I'm interested that they've gone straight for a group three with him. Um, I thought they might have possibly chucked him into a handicap off a rate in a 98. Um, Al Salt, we saw, ran fairly well enough uh, in that handicap earlier today at Goodwood, finishing third. Uh, I, I don't think that Tilsit is probably as good as is probably better than him. I think they're about equal, um, but he's still unexposed, and, and you never know. Can I say something that might end up looking very daft? Go on. Mystery power shouldn't be eighteen to one. Oh, that's all right. I thought you were going to say something about Reparty because I backed Reparty last time out and strongly fancied uh, him in the Hackwood, and he was very disappointed. Uh, he clearly wasn't right that day, though, mate. He was, you know, he was, he was, it's, yeah, he was, he, he was racing like he was on hot coals. You know, his legs were very strange. I'm surprised to see him back up that early, to be fair, because he looked like he had a problem. Yeah, uh, I thought that. I'd, I'd, I'd put a line through that, but you don't want to, you don't want to be backing horse until you know he's right. Mm. But Mystery Power returned quite well uh, last time out. Disappointed, obviously, at Royal Ascot, but he second to Alsa Hale in the. So Henry Cecil stakes look. I know Alsa Hale slapped him around, but mystery power. Look, he could he could be second best here behind Calusa. I think Calusa is a similar level, if not better than Alsa Hale. So therefore, I don't see mystery power winning. But he's the forming behind, you know, beating the likes of Ropey Guest and Separate, who are decent enough types. It it. It's not impossible that both of the, I don't want to say hype horses, but, you know, my old Baron and Tilsit who come in here after impressive novice victories, it's not impossible that one or both of them may blob out and just a little bit of a solid listed level chugger like Mystery Power might be able to finish second. But yeah, I'm all about Calusi here. Yeah, uh, you make a reasonable point. Maybe 16s is fairly generous about mystery power. Um, but I think I'm going to take a risk and try and take on the favourite. Um, I'm going to go my Oberon and, uh, and hope that William Haggis is in, a, in gr- absolute gravy. I mean, that's probably how, you'd, how the betting angle for this race should be. I I, I, I wouldn't play in it. I wouldn't play in it, but I can completely see why you'd why you'd look to back my Oberon or Tilsit and hope that, you know, Calusi doesn't quite turn up. Because they're all horses with a load of potential and we don't know exactly how good they are or how good they will be. So it's a sort of race where you might as well back the second or third fav. Yeah, but just looking at the betting without the favourite, my Oberon's even money. I think that's a fair enough price. Um I'd probably take that and see what happens. Fair enough, mate. We'll move on to the big handicap, the big betting race of the day. It's the Unibet Golden Mile. Best prize, 7-2 favourite. Prompting for David O'Mara and Harry Bentley. 6-1, Sabuska. 15-2, Montafem. 8s, Vale of Kent. 10s, Cliffs of Capri. 14s, Urban Icon. Card Sharp. 16-1, Bless Him and Willie John. 20s, Bar. Big Puzzle Jim. Have you landed anywhere? Um, there's a lot of horses that are in form at the head of the market, then front three. Um, prompting, you can't not be impressed with, with what he's done uh, so far since joining uh, David O'Mara, winning uh, uh, impressively in what looks like a, a fairly nice handicap at the, at the moment and in another big field handicap at York. This is quite a big step up. Um, and he is due to go up nine more pounds within 
the next week or so. So he, he could be absolutely thrown in, but he, he has had racing quite quickly over the last couple of weeks. Uh, that would be a little bit of a worry for him running against a higher class of horse. Uh, he won comfortably last time. Then he's also stepping up to a mile, uh, which he hasn't won over yet. But his last two victories have been over seven. Um, eight stone far in these handicaps. You've always got to be careful with a horse on a roll. So Busker was, ran excellent in the Bunbury Cup and probably would have won if he wouldn't have been so far out on a wing for so long and hung in. If he did just kept a straight line, maybe we saw last time at Ascot when he won the Silver uh, Royal Hunt Cup that he'd come through his rivals and that sort of helped him be a bit more straight and, and finish with more of a bang. Um, I think O'Shea Murphy getting back up on board with him. He's up another £5 for finishing second. Um, he's now up to a rating of 107. He needs another career best here, but you really won't rule it out. Um, I mean, there's there's a few in this that have sort of lost the way from what we thought with them being group horses. You, you chuck Urban Icon in there, bless him, Willie John. They've sort of disappointed him in previous starts, and and maybe one of these might be primed and ready to, to land a handicap back back down in class. Um, Urban Icon was a really, really good two-year-old who I, like, who I liked. Um, never quite kicked on to the potential that he had in the end. But he, he did finish fifth in the summer mile uh, behind Mahatha, which I thought was a really, really good performance. Um, he is off top weight here. He probably might outrun his odds. Um, you can never underestimate a Johnson horse in these handicaps. But if you were probably to put a gun to my head, I'd probably land on Sabuska. Uh, he's probably the most consistent out of uh, out of this lot so far. I think we're thinking along very similar lines, mate. I'm a big fan of Sabuska. I think he. It wouldn't surprise me if he was ending ending this season enlisted or group company. You know, progressing really well. And and the th- the thing I like about him as well is that the form all stacks up. He's been beating horses who have been running good races in behind him as well. He's not he's, His mark hasn't been creeping up by beating either horses who are at their mark or are mediocre or declining. Last time out he bumped into a group horse in a handicap. I know it's a big cliche, but how else could he describe Motokayo? Yeah, that, that's a fair fair enough point. You know, I like him. I like him more than the favourite prompting. And of of those towards the head of the betting, I would be with Sabuska. At a bigger price, mate, I know... I know you've mentioned Willie John, who is a horse I like. Do you find it strange that that they're trying a mile with him? Yeah. Again, Again... was quite a big fan of him last season. You know, he's, he's second here at Goodwood in the, in that listed race where he got beat by a Larkan. Looks relatively decent in hindsight. Hasn't really progressed. I'd like to see him run well because he was a horse I thought would have been better than this early last year. Not sure whether this would be the race. Cliffs of Capri is just very, very solid. And he might be the second pick even though he's boring. Off here, this, off here, off 97, the same mark as he was runner-up to Blue Mischief in the International last time. He, he's as as decent at a mile as he is over seven furlongs, and he'd probably be the one behind Sabuska for me. Uh, but we're going in together here on the William Knight horse. We're agreeing. That doesn't happen very often. Um uh, uh, yeah, so Busker and Urban Icon will probably be my two players tomorrow. Um, it was a good enough run, I thought, by Urban Icon last time out. Um, he's been running in higher grade than this, and and uh, I don't think he'll be too far away. Yeah, that that's fair. Although, another, I could give a Fark a chance at 28. <laughs> I'm sick of giving him chances. That's my problem. Ran well in this last year. Was better. In, ran well in the Hunt Cup as well. First start this season. You know, his mark steadily creeping down. Better over this than he is over the Johnson Mush Cup trip. So I'm I'm happy enough to forgive that. Uh, 
28 to 1 wouldn't put you off a little each way of it on a fact. Yeah, I'm blinking on for the like first this. time. Blinking yeah. for the first time. He can win races like this off this map. Uh, moving on to uh, the 315. It's the King George Qatar Stakes. I don't like that the sponsor of the race comes after the actual name. <laughs> Is this another rant? It's not going to be a rant, but imagine if you, you know you went, oh, here's the Cheltenham Gold Cup Magnus. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and the fact that they've got stakes in there as well at the end of it. Surely the Qatar King George stakes makes more sense. Maybe it should be the Qatar Team Tactics King George stakes. Ooh, shade. Do you want to elaborate, please? No, no comment, Your Honour. Ha <laughs> uh, ha! In the King George Qatar stakes, the the three to one on best price you can get on Batash, seven to one Liberty Beach, ten to one Glass Slippers, twenty five to one uh, the Gelding Ken Colt, uh, also twenty five to one Al Raya, forty to Dubai Station, and uh, you can't let our mate go off a hundred and fifty to one. Surely someone's going to back on eight. Say, well, fast five furlongs at Goodwood. Surely someone's going to back him. Uh, it won't be me, though. Uh, this is what Batash does best, mate. Yeah, just just quickly, I backed on eight uh, on Tuesday, just to let you know. <laughs> I, I couldn't let him go off 33s. <laughs> That's why I ended up 18s. All my money. Um, anyway, Batash, um, we've seen him. Uh, in the Kingstand this season, absolutely smash them out of the water. Um, this is his stomping ground. Um, he's, he's comfortably landed this in, in, in the last couple of years, and he should be very, very difficult to beat. I'm actually warming to Batash now. You know, I've never. You you can admit to this, Lewis. I've never been Batash's biggest fan, but in winning last time out, I didn't half get a thrill out of it. Uh, and now I'm slow, slowly joining the Batash fan club. Um, hopefully he can absolutely smash the field up and win by four or five lengths. Um, there's not an awful lot in this that he... If, if, not unless... If, if you go back to the Goodwood podcast of me last year, I think it was me smashing symbols on a unicycle down at the start to try and put him off. <laughs> do you remember that one? I do, I do, yeah. Because uh, I I really wanted to get him beat with whatever I could. Uh, I think it was El Astronauti. Um, although I'd probably support El Astronauti if he was running in any race in the whole of the world. Um, looking at the field in behind, Glass Slippers beat him in the Abbey last year, but just made no impression really on him in the King stand. Uh, I think she possibly wants a bit of wants more digging the ground than than most. I, I know that she has run well on good ground at Deauville before and good to firm elsewhere, but she's got an action as if she wants a bit of dig under, underfoot. Liberty Beach would be a solid second horse, second to Alali uh, in the Coral Charge last time and was third behind uh, Batash in the King stand. Obvious each way play in the race. Um I'd maybe. It's better though, mate. I mean, look, it's a race with Batash in it, so she will just get as uh, you know, as quickly as a quick, as quickly run five furlongs as possible, and it is Goodwood. But she, she is almost, she is almost like a female type Batash in that she doesn't help herself by the way she races. Yeah, um, she's quite exuberant, isn't she? Um, I love her. Harry. I love her though, mate. Yeah, she she is lovable. Um, like even when you saw her on a reappearance at Haydock over six this season, she was still fighting for her head with a furlong to go. Um, maybe she has had a lot of racing at top level uh, so far this season. Maybe that might be a slight question mark in this. You know, I'm going to probably have a play, probably an enhanced places three. Three places, if if they're willing to offer it. Dubai Station um, ran over six at Dover last time in a Group Three. Um, one on reappearance in the Pavilion stage, being Malatru, who's that, that was interesting. They've sold Malatru now, haven't they? 
Yeah, he's off in Hong Kong, which is a shame. Um, Not for the Hong Kongers, but it's a shame for us. I, I also really, really thought would win group races in Britain this season. And I thought he'd be the sort of horse to knock about and win the Hungerford and the Lennox. You know, for a couple of years after that, just a, a bit of a shame on a horse you like goes, but that's the way the world works, mate. Yeah, uh, but anyway, back to Dubai Station. Um, third over six, ran, been running mostly over six, but has a, I think does have enough pace for, for stepping down in five. We have seen uh, him win over five as a, as a two-year-old, and um, I, th- I think, I mean, I'd rather have... A, Dubai Station at 33s and Ken Colton or Raya at 28s. That's probably the only reasoning for that. That's very, very fair, mate. There's not much else for me to say about this. Batash is just head and shoulders above them. In terms of actual proper five furlong horses, Liberty Beach merits a place as second best in this. And I know he's 150 to one, but the at the rate <laughs> fight up, Jim. This isn't me tipping him. This isn't me, but the at the races write up finishes with the words Ornate could pick up some place money once again. <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him. Oh Sheen's on board. Uh, that's a positive. Headgear's refitted as well. That that could be a positive. That wasn't on on Tuesday. Um hundred and fifty to one all aboard the Ornate Express. We love him. We love him as we move on to the final group race. Uh, at Goodwood on Friday it's the 3.45 the uh, glorious stakes and the best price is 2 to 1 now Desert Encounter uh, for Simcock and Crowley 5 to 2 Communique having his what 37 from the season <laughs> uh, I think it might be 40th yeah he's, he's he's been a busy boy to be fair as Communique but he's hard isn't he he's an hard lad he can take it. 11-2, Alan Ack. 11-2, Pablo Escobar. 16, Ledon Devi. 22-1, Thundering Blue. 28-1, Spirit of Appin. Good races, Jim. I don't think there's loads between the top four in the market. No, there isn't. And we've seen Communique Desert Encounter and Alan Ack all finish in Group 2 company at Newmarket at the July meeting, didn't we, early on in the season? And... He's he's fairly solid enough in his communicate. You know what he is with him. You know what you'll get. And it, I, I thought that the step up in trip last time to a mile and six wasn't exactly suit him. And I thought he ran fairly well enough. Um, I mean, it's a bit of a disappointing lineup if I'm being brutally honest. The one positive I took out of it is Thundering Blues running it. I'm looking forward to seeing him back on track. Um, they're all very much of a muchness, aren't they? I think that's a fair enough way of putting it. Um, maybe Pablo Escobar is probably a grade possibly below, but he's picked up Group 3s before. Um, Ladon de V has to take a serious step up. I mean, put a gun to my head, I'd probably pick Desert Encounter, but I think the price has gone. He was about, I think he was about 3-1 to one, uh, or 11-4 to four, uh, early on in the day, but he, he's Moved into two to one now, uh, which isn't a backable price, in my opinion. It's probably just to sit and watch, and we'll see what'll happen. Um, but they're all very much of a muchness. Probably Desert Encounter at a push. Where does Desert Encounter make up the the lengths that he was behind Communicate Newmarket? Um, it's just a different day in it, different race, different day. I, I don't see an awful lot. Um, we we've seen him win uh, the Group Three. Queen's Plate uh, previous in 2019. That's probably the only positive I could bring you. He's he's got a decent form around Goodwood. Um, but so I, the communicator very rarely runs a, a, a bad race at Goodwood, having won that handicap a couple of years ago. And, and I know this is group race, but I don't see an awful lot between them. And probably I don't really have that stronger opinion on the race. Um, apart from I don't really fancy Alan Ack I've never really warmed to him to be really honest um, probably Pablo Escobar will probably go on and lead Alan Ack six, sit second communicate probably third in Desert Encounter went and pounced last and over the top with Thundering Blue probably going there as well so maybe 
there, there could there seems to be like there might be a bit of pace in this, uh, and it could get slightly tactical. However, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that they will go cutthroat gallop. Um, but I do see communicate Alanak and Pablo Escobar being more towards the front. Yeah, very reasonable that mate. Very reasonable. I have, I have won to Alanak, and he'd have a chance on his second in the Hardwick, even though it was a strange race. I've won to Alanak because I quite like horses. I quite like German horses. Have you come Ge- to this conclusion? Just just any German horse, and you like this isn't this this isn't a conclusion. This is when I enjoy it when horses who are from countries that don't normally have good horses have good horses. Right. Do you remember Overdose? I do. How fun was that? Well, the best yeah. sprinter in the world was from Hungary. <laughs> and um, what was the good one of Andreas? Was it Andreas Stark from the other season? Was it Waldfad? Yeah, um, Waldfad. Obviously, the Germans had the Ark winner a couple, uh, a couple of years ago with Daindry. Yeah. And Nobelist who won the King George. They've had some good ones, obviously. Uh, he's with Andrew Balding now. Uh, so that's that's that bit of fun ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think Communique wins this, mate. Uh, like I said, you, you could toss a coin between him and Desert Encounter. There's very little between them. But I do... In terms of official ratings, Communique is one pound better than Desert Encounter. And that's probably just about how I see it. Yeah. Uh, so it's communicate for me. I think he's a fairer price as well. If they were if if they were joint fouls, I'd be wanting communicate. So the fact that you can get half a point bigger about him makes him a reasonable bet for me. Although whilst I'm on the uh, oh god, now I'm t- now I want to talk about horses from strange countries, and I'm going to bring it back to the Grand National. <laughs> Do you remember when the Norwegian horse ran in it? What year was that? Oh, early two thousands. I very much doubt it then. Uh, called, they brought a, Norway brought a horse called Trinitro to run in the Grand National and he, uh, he made it no further than the first. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> Bless him. Do you remember Ialisos? The mm. Greek sprinter? I think he ended up with Marco, Marco Botti maybe. And he I went at a short price for like the, uh, the Golden Jubilee. That, this is probably about a decade ago. It's, it's quite vivid, I think I remember. He absolutely bolted up somewhere. It might have been at Haydock. I, I thought he was very, very decent. And then you got the the, the good Spanish horse, Nuzo Canarius. Yeah, I was going to say Nuzo. Yeah. Uh, and welcome back to uh, Louis Tomlinson's racing travels. Uh, <laughs> Global extravaganza. Yeah. I've not even been to the... I've not even been to Bahrain yet. Krypton Factory were quite good as well. Uh, <laughs> I think there is. I'm right. I might have completely invented this, and Adam, I'm going to have to message Adam Webb after this. There might have been a Slovenian or a Slovakian horse in the Grand National one year. <laughs> oh, in the right. 90s. And Adam's going to have to tell me, and uh, I'm wondering that there because I'm even I'm boring myself now. Uh, as we move on to Saturday at Goodwood. And the first group race there is the Lily Langley Stakes. And Qatar have put their sponsorship in the right position. So I'll call it the Qatar Lily Langley Stakes because it's in the right place. Uh, NBH, 11 to 10, 5 over Manuela de Vega at 5 to 2, 5 to 1 for Snow and 6 to 1 Caballetta. Uh, Watson, this is a very, very decent Phillies group too. I know. Uh, I've seen a lot of talk for Embahar over the last couple of days on Twitter, for example. However, it's a classy, classy field. I know it's a small one, but it, it, there's some nice horses in this, and you and you really, I don't think you could rule out any of them, to be brutally honest. Um, Embahar reappearance in the Prince of uh, Prince Prince. Sorry, I've got. I've just had a complete meltdown with all the princes, princesses of the royal family. The Princess of Wales is Tassel Stakes. It's another um, thing jumps racing as over the flat gym. We don't do all this royal bollocks as much. God save the Queen. Um, <laughs> um, we're slightly, I'm not slightly disappointed. I was disappointed 
uh, last time out. Quite clearly may have just needed the run. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen that in, in previous races that she's needed as much tuning up as she did, but the older she gets, the more streetwise she's probably got. Um, she was an outstanding mare last season, uh, picking up the, the Park Hill and winning this race as well. She's sort of, hopefully, you, well, not hopefully, she will be tuned up for this more than she was last time. Uh, but slight niggle in the back of my mind that she ran so poorly. I, I know she will have needed the run probably. Um, however, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, Manuela de Vega's hit the ground running this season, winning two nice races at Haydock, a Group 3 and a Group 2. Um, the Group 3 was in, in which was beating Fanny Logan, who went on to win the Hardwick uh, at Ascot, which was a cracking performance. Maybe they should have merged the Lily Langtree and the race that we've just talked about on the Friday, because there's a lot of collateral fall through them too. Um, that would have made it more exciting. Uh, anyway, uh, Manuela de Vega has been quite impressive so far this season. Uh, I know they've both been at Haydock in front running performances on ground a bit softer, um, but she's interesting going into a good ground, a little tactical race, I think. Harry Bentley might be able to dictate the pace in this, um, bounce out from the front and, and try and do what she's been doing uh, around Haydock. We've seen her run uh, in races at Goodwood before and she's run with credit, all a bit beating, uh, getting beat by Embihar last season uh, in this race. But she seems like a different uh, different filly this year, more prominent ridden, prominently ridden, dictate the pace a bit more. And I think... She'd be dangerous to roll out. And then you chuck in the two three-year-olds towards the end of the market and with Snow. and I mean, I fancied Snow to, to run a big race in the Irish Oaks the other week. And she was she was also prominently ridden, but then just didn't seem to have as much in hand as maybe she thought. I think the step up to Furlongs will suit, certainly being from the family that she's from. There's uh, stamina ridden in the pedigree. Uh, I, I think... It's interesting that Aidan O'Brien's returning her here so quickly and I, I don't think you could underestimate her, especially getting all the weight off the older horses in this. And Caballetta won a shade comfortably last time, having looked slightly awkward and possibly even green to win last time out. Um, I mean, she beat Frankly Darling on debut and was second to Franconi, who since won uh, dual-listed races and maybe... Being beaten by Manuela de Vega last time at the Lancashire Oaks probably push, put people off. Um, however, she's reappearing here against Manuela de Vega. I think she made she she's deservedly the rank outsider of the field. Um, however, I think she'll finish a slight bit more closer to Manuela than she did at Haydock. She's not a bad outsider of the four. No, she, no, she's not. But she she deserves a place there. She deserves a yeah. place in the race, but she deserves to be that price. Yeah, I understand that. I'm a big fan of Manuela de Vega. And I, I was a very, very big fan of Embihar as well last season. And I think Embihar, what she did on return at Newmarket was satisfactory. Obviously, she beat Manuela de Vega by five in this last year. I think Manuela's an improved horse. I just don't know whether it'll be enough. But at the prices, I'd rather back Manuela de Vega at 5-2 to two and take the risk that her improvement has been enough to make those five lengths up rather than back in behind at what potentially looks likely to be going off odds on. Yeah, I think I, I think I possibly agree. I think I'd rather take 2-1 to one than 5-6. to six. Good race, though, mate. Again, I keep saying good race. But this is a good race. This is... This is an intri an intriguing little tactical contest between four fillies who all really merit their place at this level. Yeah, um, they all deserve, and I'm looking forward to it. It could become tactical, and MBH may struggle. Um, they're all fairly horses that have gone prominent previously in the past, so it'll be interesting to see what will happen. But I am presuming that Manuela de Vega will just bounce straight out. Yes, yeah, she should do. Uh, they're all they're all fairly straightforward animals themselves, aren't they? So I don't think it's going to be one way you're going to be looking to unsettle. It's going to be four jockeys just riding their own races. Yeah, 
Uh, and the final race we're going to discuss at Glorious Goodwood of 2020 is the big sprint. It's the Stewards Cup at 335. Uh, and the best price is 92 Naha, Tens Miras, 14 Summergand, Gulliver, Hay Jonesy and Swindler. Same price, Lexington Dash and Kimi 5. 18 to 1 were Tan and 22 bar them. Big puzzle, mate. First of all, how much of an effect do you think the draw has and what side? Um, I think it, we, we've seen in previous, in the last couple of years, uh, in the, out, out of the last 10 runnings, there's been four low, low winners, three middle winners, and three high winners. So it sort of depends on where the pace is in the race. Um, I, I'm probably going to be following, looking at more towards the middle of the track. We saw Hay Jonesy last time out dictate the pace. Um, he, he maybe will go for that. Um, we've seen three and four year olds in the last 10 years also have quite a good record in this. They've won six renewals of, of the Stewards Cup. Um, and nine of the last 10 winners have carried nine stone six or less. So that's sort of made the job easier. And, and eight of them winners have, have rated up 102 or higher. My, my pin has landed on Mr. Lupton. Um, I, I think. A big field handicap like this I, I, might just be up his suit. And I, I know he's drawn fairly high uh, for what I said. There was a bit of pace. Um, however, I, I think he could be possibly over, overpriced at 28. Um, he's not exactly set the world alight in his first two starts. He ran fairly OK in the Abernon, um And was probably... A, he was on the... He raced towards the far side in the walking and would just never could get into the race. It was a funny sort of race in the end. Um, however, I think he's, he's dropping in the weights. He's at 101. He's at one pound before below what my stats are telling me. And I, I just feel like 28 to 1 could possibly uh, be fairly generous about him at the mo- this moment in time. Um, I like Lexington Dash. He's fairly lightly raced and, uh, and ran with quite a bit of credit last time in, in that big field handicap for the three-year-olds last time out. Stepping up into the open company here, uh, Thorhammer Hansen gave him a superb ride in, in a forerunner race at Newmarket towards the end of the season. He retains the ride here. Uh, I think three-year-old in this is fairly interesting off eight stone nine, uh, with Thor taking three off his back again. And it's a it's a puzzling race. I prefer the the consolation race if I'm being brutally honest, because I've got the winner of that, um, which I'll mention later on. But we all know what Lewis is going to pick, and it's Summergand. Uh, not this time. No. No, although I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And fourteen to one's a very fair price, mate. Uh, and it oh. probably it probably be in my four. I can't believe you've not picked him. He's, he is a class horse in the race, which I, I find slightly mad to say for a horse who's just been edging and edging his way up, but he's, he's top weight and it's entirely justified on what he's been doing recently. We know this sort of race suits him, but I'm going to stop making a case for some again because that wasn't my plan. Uh <laughs> Two horses at big prices. You mentioned Mr. Lupton, who's 28. I'm also going to go for ones. Two horses at 22 to 1. One is Al Jardi. Uh, yeah. Of Robert Powell's. Improved since leaving Richard Fahey for Robert Powell this season. We obviously know. You know, Robert Powell is the king when it comes to sprint handicappers. Two wins Paul this Midgley. Paul Midgley's the sprint king, in my opinion. Oh, Carl's got to give him a shout for it, though, mate. Oh, Paul Misley. Back in the day, line of reason and final... Well, they're still going now, aren't they? Oh, he used to... That Epsom dash used to be his. Uh, but, yeah, look, he, he had good placed form in big handicaps here. He, he ran well third of third of 21, often a mark of 95 over six fillings at York last year. Uh, for Fahey, kind of tailed his way off a little bit after that. But his mojo's uh, been back uh, since joining Cowell 
this season. Started the started the year rated 88. Two wins is back up to 98, which is uh, his highest mark. Never rated before above 95 before that. But he competed in good races last season off 95. And I think he's a better horse now uh, whilst he's in Carroll's yard. So I don't think those £3 should matter too much. We know he's in form. 22 to 1. I think he's overpriced. And the other one, this is a little bit more of a swing. Because he could absolutely bomb out. But chairman of the board... A winner at the July meeting last last time out. Uh, he's decent, mate. He is, he's and he's, since he stepped down in trip this season, that seemed to be where he's had a slight bit more success, hasn't he? That's exactly what it's been, mate. He was campaigned... Look, he was highly regarded as a two-year-old. He was sent off favourite to beat Mahaffa in the Horace Hill. Mm-hmm. Chairman of the board was eleven to eight favourite. Mahaffa was thirty three to one in that race. How insane is that? Uh, his three year old career went tits up. There's no other way of saying it for chairman of the board. Was campaigned over a mile, ended up back in class fours, didn't go to plan. But they dropped him back in trip this season. Two wins since the restart in Windsor, and then last time out at Newmarket, in which was a in which was a decent racial level. Maybe they found the key to unlocking the potential they thought this horse had as a two-year-old. He uh, comes in here off 95. Look, I say it's a little bit more of a one that is a little bit more speculative, and you've got to assume that the horse you know, has the potential they thought he might have done as a two-year-old. Because his form, his general form as a two-year-old wasn't bad, even though he absolutely bombed out in the Horace Hill. There's a reason as to why they might have unlocked the potential, and that's the drop back down in trip. Yeah. Um, so. And also, my, my slight problem with him is he doesn't exactly break as well as I'd quite like. He's, he's not exactly the quickest into stride. And a race like this, he could just find himself in the deep end fairly, fairly early on. I think you'll know your fate fairly early on with him as well. That's a very, very fair point. To be fair, mate, twenty twos. Look, I'm, I'm happy enough to I'm happy enough to have a have a crack at that. Although, again, to be fair, another big price one at twenty eight to one. Why is Barbil? Why is uh, Barbil? Why is Barbil that price? But yeah, no. Also, I, I've just been reading my stats for this race. Four winners, uh, four of the last ten winners have won last time out. And you've named so far three horses that all won last time out. I like horses in form, what can I say? But Barbill's win, he's only ran once this season, which was a victory at Haydock, where he beat Kimi Five, who's shorter in the betting for him in this, Al Jardi, who's also shorter in the betting, Motagale, who's won last time out. You know, so, if. if I can't say I think Al Jardi's a decent bet when he's won either side of being beaten by Barbil and not tip up Barbil at 28 to 1. Yeah, I, I get swing. you. Let's, let's, be... let's, let's swing for the fences and add Summer Gandin. For the, can you have a quad vector? <laughs> we're, we're creating one. We're having a quad vector. Come on. Uh, so if we get those four in the first four, uh, we'll all be millionaires. Uh, and I'll wake up from whatever fever dream I'm clearly having. Uh, don't ever say I only tip favourites, Jim. Three twenty to one plus horses this week. I tell, you, I tell you what, in the last couple of weeks you pulled out the stops and you have not tipped up a sing- not as ma- half as many favourites as what you used to. So I take my hat off to you. Sometimes you get beat. Although I almost tweeted today that I thought Mogul was a pig. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was sat before the race thinking I, I fancied English King as I mentioned on the podcast but I thought I saw Mogul in the parade ring and I thought Christ he looks he actually looks fit <laughs> so I was like I can go back him and if that's if and if he didn't do a single good performance that was it with me and Mogul we were over and look what he says and I've certainly thrown his hat into the St Ledger ring hasn't he. Yeah, you know what? That the my, my tweet. I was thinking along the lines of, uh, you know, is has anyone actually considered that? You know, rather than just being 
how he is that Mogul is just actually fat and slow. Uh, <laughs> but he's not. No, fair fair play to him for getting that done and making me look like a mug in retrospect. Uh, Jim, the consolation race, you wanted to mention a couple in that. Uh, there's a absolute cliff horse in, in here wearing the second silks of Jim Goldie's racing club in Call Me Ginger. Uh, I've been following this horse I, since he finished second in this condition stakes behind Deep Intrigue when he went off a massive 100 to 1. He beat Barbill that day. Um, and he's, he's last couple of times, he, he just seems to get slightly outpaced. And Mayras is 8-1 to one in, the proper, in the proper race. And uh, he got beat by him by one and three-quarter lengths. Went absolutely flying home late on. He, he's another one where he can be fairly slow away. Um, however, Kevin Stock gets on board once again, having ridden him last time. That was in, in the Scottish Stewards Cup, where I thought he ran fairly well enough. Um, it, it, he was getting going late on on his reappearance. Uh, and on in his race at air last time, well, two starts, three starts back, sorry, uh, over five furlongs. Um, I just feel like there's a big race in him. I, I've said, been banging on about him to everyone I know for most of the season, um, thinking that probably the silver cup or the bronze cup or whatever he'd end up in. And I, I think this, this could have been a target for a while. This or the, the bronze cup, we'll see what happens. But I think nine to one's a fair enough each way price. There'll be five places around. Um, I, I, I prefer him over Tommy G even though uh, he was a massive eye catcher last time out behind prompting that's very fair mate uh, other things I think might be worth a mention on Saturday at Goodwood I like Mr Snowden in the Qatar handicap at 4.10 he might go very well 9-2 to two is a fair price that's a good little tidy free old handicap to be fair Society Lions favourite for that but also the likes of Coldfront King Ragnar and Tom Frey entered in that. There's a usual band of decent stayers uh, in the summer handicap. Laffy calling the win, the Max Weekend platitude. King's Advice and Indianapolis are in there as well. That'll be a look. It's a, it's a race where we kind of know a lot about them. Not the most intriguing betting race to me, Jim. I guess Laffy is the right favourite and should win. Yeah, yeah, he's fair enough, isn't he? Uh, I was trying to find something at a smaller meeting as well that I thought might be worth mentioning. Uh, the Kilbegging card's shite. Uh, even I've not been able to come up with anything there, I can't give you another hand in my pocket or Cade Solace, unfortunately. Uh, RTR nap time. Ooh, nap time. Um, not time to go to a sleep, James. Come on. Um, my nap of the weekend... Is sorry, we're gonna call me Ginger Stewards Cup. Um, nine to one, uh, consolation Stewards Cup. Uh, I, I, I just as I mentioned, it I followed him fairly a bit, and it, Jim Gold is a bit of a dab hand with this race. Uh, I, I think maybe he could be competitive at nine to one. Um, next best, we will go for. One master, seven to four. I think that's fair enough price. If you can still get that, because I, I think she will be short a lot shorter later on in uh, as the day goes on. And reserve Sibuska in a golden mile. Fair enough, mate. I think I'm going to go for my nap of the weekend. Uh, oh, I'm not going to. You can't pick Batash. I'm sorry, you're not having Batash. I know, but he's, he's my Batash. <laughs> no, fine. Is uh, that a new horse, my Batash? Is that related to my Oberon? God, that'd be such a horrific name for a horse, wouldn't it? It'd probably be like Paco Boy, like Galileo Gold. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to nap Communique, because it's a horrific nap. <laughs> no, I'm not going to oh, nap Communique. It's got to be... Mr. Snowden. Yeah. Yeah, we go, Mr. Snowden. Uh, next best, El Astronaut is running at Hamilton on Saturday. So, obviously, he's the next best. And, uh, yeah, go on, let's have communique as a reserve. 
I'll let you have him as reserve. We couldn't we couldn't go a week without mentioning our astronaut. Eh? Or without, I, I feel like I've put him up as an RTR Napcom pick every time he's ran. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, but he should win that. My other mate, like you said, Paul Midsley, King of the Sprinters, Tarbush is there. Oh, Tarbush. I think he was very, very unlucky last time, if I remember. Did he run at York? Yes, he did in the Res Moskill one. Yeah, he was very unlucky. He never got a run and flew up. Yeah, it was Elastinot. He was last in that race, so he's got. He needs to improve from that. But I can't, I can't back against him. Although Tarbush is another horse that without Elastinot, I absolutely love it. Just so happens that they always turn up in the exact same race. Uh, anything else from you, Paul? Um, not from me. Um, tracker or Frank and Stella's at Pontefract on on tomorrow. Um. He's probably due when he's in the tracker. Um, not an awful lot, no. That's it then from us this week on Turf Talker. We'll be back at some point next week. We probably will just do a a sole review show, I reckon, to talk about Goodwood and the King George, yep. and then back with a weekend preview later in the week. Uh, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks to rating the races for the support, uh, and we'll see you all again very soon. See you later.